0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. I'm your host, Elspeth Callahan, and to kick off Earth Month, we're chatting reusable takeout containers in a world that relies way too much on single use. I chat with Megan, the founder of Supply in Toronto, Canada, a company that works with restaurants and customers to offer a reusable alternative to single use takeout containers. We talk the process of getting a company like this started and choosing the perfect all purpose design, as well as the greatness of using reusables whenever you can, even in the midst of a pandemic. The planet is still being threatened by the amount of waste that we create, so let's reduce it wherever and whenever we can, especially with a super convenient system like supply. Ready to learn more? Let's go.
1: Well, I'm a Toronto-born girl, uh, so born and raised in Toronto. I've worked here uh, for a number of years. I guess I won't tell you the exact number because I'll date myself. but uh, in more traditional finance roles, my backgrounds in finance, um, and then more recently um, in impact investing, so which is really um, still in finance, but you know looking to invest in companies for more than just a financial return, but also a social return. Um, and before founding supply, I'd spent the last five years, Working with entrepreneurs really all over the world to build innovative solutions to tackle social challenges, um, but in a financially sustainable way. So now, instead of being on the investment side, uh, I'm obviously very much in the on the entrepreneur side, uh, which I'm. I'm. It's challenging, but I love.
0: That is so cool. I've never heard of impact investments. And so uh, making sure that you're not just being about the money, but about the the social impact as well. I think that's so amazing.
1: It's a great tie in. Obviously, I I find finance very interesting. And I I love working in finance. But to tie that with your own values i think is the nice luxury with impact investing for sure
0: amazing that's so cool so what was the catalyst for you to switch to being the entrepreneur side of things rather than the investor side with supply what were you seeing maybe in the takeout industry that inspired you to make a change
1: you know i think i've had a bit of the entrepreneurial bug for a while um, and I've loved working with with entrepreneurs and innovators but the concept behind supply is one I've been thinking about for the last oh, 6 plus years oh wow great yeah i remember sitting around the dinner table like back back then 5 6 years ago with a bunch of friends and this group we always sort of used to go back and forth and spitball new business ideas and stuff and uh I remember pitching the concept of a reusable takeout container service because I just thought like it seemed ridiculous the amount of waste we produced with takeout and it wasn't super well received. I even remember one of my friends specifically saying he liked the black plastic containers because when he brought them to work for lunch whatever, you know, if he forgot them or lost them he didn't have to worry about it because they were just garbage. Oh. <laughs> and it made me cringe a little bit. I still reusables was, you know, kind of the way forward, but apparently I was, you know, the market wasn't quite ready for it. Um, Fast forward (laughs) to a, a year ago or so, or a year and a half ago, I was hanging out with the same group of friends and a couple of them were complaining about this like juice and food delivery service and how they hated the amount of single use plastic that came with it. Like it's they're like, it's amazing. The only thing which I just can't stand and like it makes me want to not order anymore is the amount of garbage with it. And I obviously laughed inside. Wow. And I thought, huh, okay. Like, I think, I think the market seems more ready for this now. Um, and I thought, okay, well- you know, I'm not busy at all. I've just had my second child. so um, why <laughs> don't I start kicking the tires on this and see if there's something there? because I did have I did have a general set, like I had an idea of how I might construct the service, and you know, I was hoping that someone else over the last five years would have just kind of built it, but they didn't, and I, Felt like I couldn't just sit around being complacent and having an idea. So I thought, let's at least explore it. And uh, and here we are now. <laughs> that's
0: amazing. Isn't it so funny that like with children, you're busier than ever. And and yet it's usually on a mat leave that, that most <laughs> moms become entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. I'd I, like that's exactly when the podcast started was in my first mat leave. Right.
1: See, I, and I sort of hate to disclose that because... Being a mom with a newborn, or just in general, being a parent is exhausting. So lot much work. Of work. Like it's not like you just sit around and twiddle <laughs> your thumbs, and it's just like you know you do nothing. But for me, I, yeah, yeah, I'm also like a, I'm a. I like to be busy. I like to. Uh, my wheels always are, are spinning in my head, and so for me, this is you know some people paint and some people draw and some people do podcasts. Is they're kind of like passion and creative outlet. For me, I like building, uh, I like building sustainable solutions to social challenges.
0: (laughs) Amazing, amazing. And honestly, it's, it's just nice to have something that's yours. This isn't an episode about maternity leave or parenting, but man, is it nice to have something that doesn't have anything to do with a baby. Yeah. Like <laughs> starting a series of takeout containers that are reusable, but <laughs> yeah. so let's go from there. So what what is Supply and how does it work?
1: Right, well, so Supply is, uh, I mean, essentially simplistically a reusable takeout container service. Uh, we partner with restaurants and food shops to provide our reusable stainless steel containers to them. Uh, Consumers sign up for a free account through our website. And uh, when they go to order through one of our partner restaurants, they indicate that they'd like to use Uh, supply containers and they pay a small service fee it's 99 cents per order right now and they get their food packaged up in our containers Um, they get to enjoy it same as usual well i like to think more than usual and then once they're done Mm -hmm. they uh, have a week to return them so they rinse them out and return them into one of our drop-off bins which are right now uh, situated kind of scattered throughout the downtown toronto east um neighborhoods and then we we service those drop-off points uh collect all the containers and take them to be centrally cleaned and sanitized and then they're ready to go back uh, into the into circulation that is
0: just so simple and so good that's what people i'm sure have been wanting that's what i've been wanting for such a long time some sort of circular system for takeout containers wow And I love that the fee is per order or is it per item that you are including in your takeout order, like for containers?
1: Yeah, we have it structured pretty simply right now. Like we just... It's just $0.99 cents per order, so not per container. Wow. Yeah, I, we just wanted something really simple. First of all, I mean, we were, we've were we had a good sense that people would be interested, but we did just want to make it really accessible and see were people even interested in paying for this. I mean, I've had some notes come back saying, I would pay 3 to $5 for this. This is, you, you know, this is robbery from you. You should charge more, or, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think what we've learned is, yeah, people are more than happy to pay a very a small premium uh, to be able to a support local, b enjoy takeout food again, and c obviously most importantly, do it while not feeling guilty about ruining the environment.
0: Yes, because even even a simple compostable whatever paper takeout clamshell is still going to be waste. Like it's not something that's easily reused. If it's soiled, then it can't be recycled. It has to be composted. Most people don't have a compost. And so it just goes in the garbage. Like try as you might, there's still going to be some waste or like maybe they included a set of cutlery when you didn't want them to
1: or something like that.
0: So is there any cost to the restaurant on their side of things to participate in this program? Yeah,
1: so for restaurants, the whole premise of this is we we did a lot of work up front speaking with restaurants, but really, you know, restaurants operate on such thin margins anyways, is so the premise of this was to shift budget, basically just shift budget from single use containers to multi-use containers without adding a whole bunch of extra cost. And so what we do is we rent our containers out to restaurants and they pay us, you know, per container per order, the, the same they would with single use. And we've tried desperately tried to price this uh, as low as possible so that it's kind of on par. And in some cases, cheaper than what they're currently paying for for containers so if you're renting
0: one of your awesome containers to a restaurant for an equivalent price for what they would maybe pay for a sleeve of single-use containers or like what is maybe the the ratio of one reusable is worth this many disposable Mm.
1: Costs sort of depend for restaurants on what they're using. So, if they're using the dreaded styrofoam, obviously a container container comparison, ours is going to be more expensive. But, you know, if you think about the black plastic takeout containers, we're probably marginally more expensive, like kind of one to one containers. And then on some of the, you know, I kind of air quote uh, eco friendly takeout containers that are Mm -hmm. we end up being the same or cheaper than some of those so it uh it depends what they're using but what we've found is restaurants they like that that they've been so involved in the process and will continue to be in sort of designing this and that it's designed not just um, for consumers you know for restaurants to provide a service it's it's designed with restaurants for consumers, and I think that's an important uh, differentiator that that we like to to call out because it's important to us.
0: That's great. Um so tell me about your containers. What is the variety of options do you have stuff for? Drinks, pizza, burgers? Um, like soups, like what kind of things do you offer? Yeah,
1: I mean, I wish we had something for everything you just listed and more. Um, we started off with just three different sizes. We've expanded mm-hmm. to four more recently and we'll continue to expand based on feedback from our restaurant partners. I would say we have containers to really cater to most types of cuisine thus far. And you know, by the time we get our kind of next expansion bit, I would say a lot more. We don't have anything for pizza at the moment. That was a tough one to solve. So I'm leaving it to other groups in the space that I know are trying to tackle it and hoping that they come up with a good container option. And then I will gladly add that to the lineup. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, sandwiches, Thai food, Indian food. We have an Ethiopian restaurant. We have uh, Latin American food. So we find it works pretty well uh, as long as restaurants are open to thinking a bit differently on how they present their food and some of them love it well most of them love it way way more in terms of how it presents because it just you know who wants to make a delicious meal that they've put their heart into and then slap it in a a piece of garbage like a black plastic container that just Doesn't feel right.
0: Totally. Oh, my gosh. It just, on your website, they just, it elevates the appearance of the food so much to have it be in something durable and beautiful and reusable versus... Yeah. Yuck. Just like styrofoam. My food touching styrofoam just sounds gross even though like what I grew up almost 30 years using styrofoam so it's not it's not unusual to me but it's now it just seems pale in comparison to your containers. I'm so excited about them. Is there a drink option yet or is that something that's in the works? Uh
1: yeah, not yet. So drink option is something we get a lot of requests for. There are a couple other companies that are in the Toronto area and and I'd say Broadly, trying to tackle the kind of coffee mm. cup drink area, it's certainly we're not close to it. We'd love to to add something um, in that space. You know, really anything to help reduce the amount of waste. I think for us is we see a huge gap in the kind of actual food takeout piece. So that's where we feel right mm-hmm. now. But um, will we expand that way either ourselves or through partnerships or whatever? Um, I would say almost. Certainly, yes, at some point, it's such a, uh, I think, an impactful area that either we or, or a you know, collaborative could tackle to really move the needle on on the amount of waste in, in food industry and especially in the coffee industry.
0: Tell me a little bit more about your containers. So uh, beyond the design, what is the lifespan, the expected lifespan of the containers?
1: Yeah, the lifespan of the containers is hard to say exactly. That's part of what we're testing. But I mean, the bases are stainless steel. Part of the decision process with those two is speaking with caterers and other restaurants in the industry and caterers use their stainless steel pieces thousands of times so my hope is that you know I, I've sort of conservatively said you know up to a thousand times, but I think that we can use them many more times than that. The silicone lids, you know, again, it's um, it's part of what we're testing out right now. But so far, Touchwood, all of them have have made it through quite a few cycles so far, and and they're fine. You know, what people tend to take really good care of them, which I think makes a big difference as well. Uh, I think our consumers that have signed up are are signed up for a reason because they believe in the cause and want to keep things in circulation. I think that's going to be a really nice benefit to adding to our environmental footprint or, or lack thereof in using this service and being able to keep containers in circulation for, for longer.
0: That's great. And it's nice too that the maybe the lid and the container are separate um, because then if one does get damaged it would only be the lid that's being replaced in a way, or um, just the base that's being replaced. Is there a fee for either not returning or having to deal with a damaged um, container?
1: Yeah, so we we have a $20 replacement fee per order. So that's if someone, for example, doesn't log their return and has sort of just fallen off and doesn't respond, then what we have there is a replacement fee of $20 per order. Have we ever charged it? No. Do I foresee us charging it? Awesome. I mean, I hope not actually. Pretty much everyone that's signed up that that orders from using supply containers returns them. Um, our return rate is really, really excellent. And so, I mean, we have that in there, but my hope is that if we ever have to charge it we credit it right back cuz someone you know has just said oh i completely forgot or i missed your email it's now been returned
0: that's great yeah well it's nice to to have the the upfront fee just be so minimal um in a way to your order having it be 99 cents per order to use these containers in general and then uh if for whatever reason it doesn't come back to you well then then there's the the actual larger fee that will hopefully make up for the container for you guys, the loss.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. And I think it's sort of, you know, compared to the deposit model that is kind of out there as well. Uh, For us, you know, operationally, service fee versus deposit model made more sense. But also, we just found from feedback and everything like that, that uh, deposit model, in this case, could be a real barrier to uptake. And uh, it's like, oh, to, totally. to what we wanted, so
0: totally, yeah. If you had to pay twenty dollars up front for a container and then get it back when it's returned, like that would be a deterrent, I think. So that's wonderful. What was the process like for starting the business for getting? your containers designed or chosen and having enough of a, of a startup investment in order to get this going? Like, did you have to have a certain number of restaurants signed up? Number one, have a certain number of containers um, at the ready? Number two, like what kind of did the process look like?
1: Yeah. um, Well, I think every startup probably charts their own course through things. I call it, I usually call it like hacking my way through things. (laughs) I, I mean, I started because my background is in finance, I started doing a bunch of research on what the potential costs were and and what those might be. Obviously, one big one is containers, but what the kind of business model might look like and getting a whole bunch of feedback from, you know, restaurants, consumers. Uh, I got feedback from cl- like cleaners, my Cleaning partners, people at the city, all, you know, every other people working in the ecosystem, and really try to map out okay, like, is there something here with this model or that model? And what are the different pieces that I really need to test from a cost perspective or from a hypothesis perspective? And I just sort of plugged away at testing all these different little pieces. The containers, I mean, you (laughs) mentioned the containers. Those were a huge, uh, huge challenge to find. It took me months, probably because I'm so stubborn and didn't want to use any plastic. Actually, I know it's because I'm stubborn and didn't want to use any plastic. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, to find containers that A, had no plastic, B, could nest or stack really efficiently because restaurants don't have a ton of extra space and that were simple enough that oh. there weren't a whole bunch of pieces that were going to break off or that, you know, that could be easily cleaned. Finding something with the, that hit those three criteria was really, really challenging off the shelf. Um, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you know, it's, a, it was an important piece because without a container that works, what do you really have? And what does
0: their end of life look like? Um So I know that silicone is made of mm, sand, maybe not plastic, not like oil, but uh, what does silicone turn into can it be recycled can it be biodegraded like what happened yeah
1: here? so silicone is like similar to to rubber so it gets down as okay. opposed to recycled I would say so you think about mm-hmm. like the turf in kids playgrounds I guess I think about it because I spend a lot of time in Kids' playgrounds, uh, but you know, downcycle to stuff like that. So, so turf, and um, and there are a number of companies that you know, if you're if you're collecting it, that that will be able to kind of process the downcycling. So that was a really also a really important part of initial research was not just does this the, do these containers fit you know these kind of key criteria from a functional operational perspective, but what does obviously their Um, end of life profile look like as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the, I think it's Onyx. Onyx is a Canadian company at West. Metal containers. Yeah. And um, yeah, they have the same base kind of appearance for some of their more rectangular containers, uh, just from what I've seen of your supply containers. And they do have a metal lid with a silicone ring or a kind of yeah, I'm going to call it a ring just to um, have it be waterproof or leak proof. But the same thing, like if that part wears out or gets wrecked, what do you do with the silicone? So I I appreciate knowing where or what those things can be downcycled into. Yeah, it's, It's so challenging to come up with something that is leak proof and durable and also lightweight, right? Like you don't want to be schlepping a bunch of glass containers around when you're, it's either being delivered or you're picking it up and you want it to be as simple and straightforward as takeout containers like we're used to.
1: Yeah, I think like, um, I actually, I spoke with Onyx as I was kind of, I spoke with so many different groups as I was trying to source them.
0: Totally,
1: um, and yeah, their containers are really nice. It, the challenge for us was—I mean, there were a couple challenges—but in stackability, you know, round yep. is hard to, harder to nest. You won't find as many round ones n- nesting, and then when they have the um if they're square rectangular if they have the clasps on them to shut then they don't nest as well I uh know. if the top and base are both stainless steel i'm geeking out on container stuff now but like go on tell me up more. and bottom are both stainless steel and it's single walled then you put hot food in there and like how are you ever going to pick it up
0: Ooh, hadn't yeah of that.
1: It, it's uh it's so funny because it seems like it's a simplistic kind of solution or setup and that these pieces make sense and yeah like of course why didn't we think of that but there are a lot of little intricate nuancey things with like everything involved with the process um that I absolutely makes me uh, very aware of why others maybe decided I don't necessarily want to tackle this right now I will tackle that <laughs>
0: <laughs> are your containers double walled that was another thing that like yeah having a hot metal bowl of something would just be scalded.
1: Yeah, no, so our containers are not double walled for a few reasons. I mean it increases cost mm-hmm. substantially. It also increases totally. footprint, environmental footprint. And then the other piece was it it also um oftentimes limits the nestability I would call it or like how efficiently stack mm-hmm. sometimes um in the design. And so our way around that is like the silicone is great because it doesn't, it doesn't conduct heat the way stainless steel does. So when there's something hot Mm -hmm. in the container, you can actually just kind of pick it up by the edges of the silicone uh, lid and, and you're totally fine. And if you, you know, say you get something really hot that you want to eat right out of the container, you just kind of slip the lid underneath as a, as a buffer, and then you can eat right out of the container. Oh, there's so many things to think about. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What was the length of time from beginning to look for containers to now?
1: I guess I initially started, you know, I gave myself all of two months after having a baby, a uh, month and a half, to, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to sort of spend, yeah, spend some time and, you know, try and just be in the moment with, with the kids and stuff. But in January uh, of 2020, I sort of started doing some research and you know, more casually, but, you know, I sort of had my to-do list of things that I wanted to get through and look into. Uh, And then we did a soft launch in October of 2020. So that kind of gives you a sense of when everything started really in in January, and then the soft launch, and obviously every week there's like a mountain of stuff we get through um, in research or pivots or various pieces related to the business. But uh, so continuing to to learn and shift and adapt and grow. But yeah, it was uh, probably January was was the start of it all. That's insane. That's an incredible
0: incredibly fast turnaround in my (laughs) opinion. That's awesome. So how has supply been able to um, function and expand during a global pandemic? Like how can your business or businesses like yours um, continue to kind of pave the way for the use of reusables while still being absolutely careful?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, supply was technically, I mean, I started working on idea before the global pandemic hit. But, mm. you know, supply is a COVID baby, like supply has only really known a global pandemic environment. So, you know, we've, we were founded in it and, and have been able to, to grow, you know, a fair amount, I, I would say, obviously, there are lots of challenges for us as there are with any of like the same same challenges that a lot of businesses go through with with the global pandemic. But, you know, I think for us, like I said, the market's ready. And I think it was kind of feelings amplified by the amount of waste produced during the pandemic that our challenge right now is laying in the pieces, like kind of the digital and physical infrastructure for for growth to meet all the the demand, both on the the kind of food merchant side and on the consumer side. So, you know, we're, we're very lucky to be in, in that position. You know, to the question about, you know, how does the reusables movement or businesses supporting that keep momentum while still being obviously cautious about, you know, germs and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I guess my answer is the processes we use for this, they're not different than how we would have done it otherwise. I mean, we didn't want people passing on flu germs or cold germs either. And so I, I think it's just being really transparent about what your, you know, what your cleaning and sanitization processes are and how you go about doing things. And do you care about this stuff where I, you know, I think a lot of places did all this stuff before and cared before. It's just, you know, it wasn't, a whole top section of their website. I think just transparency about it. I
0: appreciate that. Um, I think that there is a lot of fear, obviously, about any sort of transfer of germs. And I like the reminder that these are the same processes that would have been in place before a global pandemic like we were always concerned especially in the 21st century about um, the spread of germs communicable diseases anything like that like people are aware of that there is a sanitization system in place um, especially with supply but in general there's also the thought too that just because it comes wrapped in plastic makes us think that something is really sanitary or just because it's disposable it feels more sanitary and I just like I don't want to put fear there. There, either for people. I don't want people to be scared to use something single use, but like, even if my organic cucumber comes wrapped in plastic at the grocery store i should still wash my produce like it's it's this idea that plastic means clean uh we should still continue to be cautious at all times whether it comes wrapped in plastic or not or whether it's single use or not and think that you can be just as sanitary with a reusable as you can be with a disposable yeah
1: i i mean i couldn't agree more and i i'm the same as you you know i take the same approach Whereas. I don't, I don't want to like scare people into using one thing or the other. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, similarly, you get these, you know, kind of um, fiber-based bowls from your takeout restaurant, but our containers all get washed. When they come in from the manufacturer, they all get washed through an industrial dishwasher. Those fiber-based bowls do not. So to me, it's sort of like, a, I guess there's um, a little bit of disconnect in terms of understanding and, and appreciating where things are coming from and you know if you're if you're trying to be absolutely clean then my sense is that you would wash it first so which a lot of other things aren't like uh, anyways i guess i'm just agreeing with you <laughs>
0: I appreciate, yeah, that, that there is that perspective out there that I'm not the only one. That's great. So of course, you've got lots of hopes and plans for supply. You've talked about uh, expanding the line of um, container options that you have. Um, you're increasing your website infrastructure, your app infrastructure, or whatever you've got going on. So is one of your hopes to be able to offer supply as a package, maybe, or as a system in other cities? Is that something that that you see happening in the future?
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um, you know, in designing supply, we've really tried to make it a bit modular uh, so that going to different geographies, whether it's a different, you know, city an hour away or if it's a different country, that there are kind of pieces mm-hmm. plugged in to um serve all the kind of like key tasks or responsibilities that need to happen and so that the model is is quite portable uh i would say again to the amount of of excitement and interest around a reusable solution you know i probably get a message every day or every other day asking to expand or franchise or sometimes Mm. to you know peterborough orangeville hamilton Sometimes it's to Hawaii, Estonia, call someone in the UK, you know, all over the state. Um, And so that makes me really excited and optimistic and, you know, kind of validates the way that we're going about this and trying to design something that... That can be scaled outside of, you know, Toronto, because there's clearly demand and people are ready. And so, um, you know, why not just build this right the first time um, so that it, you know, scaled for impact on a more on a broader basis.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And you're creating such a clear modular setup that it's so much nicer for people to not have to reinvent the wheel, just as what you're doing with not really tackling takeout cups right now, because that is somebody else's priority. And that's where their focus lies. So if you can prioritize the takeout containers, then that that works really well for you to be able to focus there and, and not try and do work where work is already being done really well.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, try and focus in on, I mean, there's enough to solve enough to figure out with just what you just the takeout food sure yeah uh, and there are other very smart people working on solutions to some of the other pieces whom we continue to be engaged with and and learn from and you know whenever things make sense then definitely I mean I love collaboration especially in this in this space um, because I just I find all the partners are just so great uh, and it's so nice to have kind of values aligned people. So, yeah, I think it's really just stretching your not stretching yourself uh, so thin that you can't look after the piece that you're supposed to be focusing on.
0: I totally agree. And to relate to the the people listening here, we talk so much about balance pretty much every episode. We're talking about balance on this podcast and, and trying to find the little individual pieces that you can have control over in your life or take on um, and stick to and do really well. It's not about doing everything poorly or half-heartedly. It's about doing a handful of things really well so that um, you can make a a bigger impact in the long run and sustain those new habits. So I think that that's a good example to set through sustain or sorry, through supply. Sustain's the store that I work for. (laughs) I call everything sustain. Um, Who is inspiring you in the low waste and reusable revolution at the moment that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: I think some of the most inspirational people have been consumers and our restaurant partners. I mean, on the consumer front, uh, I just, you know, the amount of support and encouragement and willingness to, you know, kind of give open and honest feedback, but like really prop up this supply and the reusables movement and everything we're doing, like it really does feel like, I mean, it was built as, it was built as grassroots with the intention to build, you know, to make sure that it was, Uh, Designed to scale, but it still very much feels like a grassroots-supported organization and movement. And I hope that it stays that way. To be honest, even you know, despite how big we may get, I think the consumer support has just been so so amazing, and people's kind of willingness to try something different and be a part of of designing this. And the same thing on the restaurant side. I mean, this is not an easy time for any business it's a specific it's an especially hard time for restaurants and you know partners and those that are reaching out to us to become partners are just so keen to think differently and they're so fed up with the status quo and despite everything that they're going through they're putting time and energy into helping us design this and spreading the word and you know kind of taking on a bit more themselves And to me, that's really inspiring as well. You know, there are a lot of great groups and probably others would highlight, you know, specific organizations and companies out there, which, you know, I don't want to definitely discount. They're amazing. Um, But I'm continuously... Kind of Every day, inspired by the consumers and restaurant partners that we engage with,
0: that is so wonderful. And honestly, those are the people that are being the the foundation of of supply right now. And so it's it's wonderful that they are also your inspiration to to continue and to drive things forward. Where can people go to learn more um, about supply to sign up for a free account to um, participate in the program if they're in the downtown Toronto area and if there's any way to help su- expand supply, what can people do?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so our website is mysupply.ca, mysuppl .ca, And anyone actually can sign up for an account. We use that actually as a pretty good gauge of when we think about neighborhoods we're looking to expand into and, and probably kind mm-hmm. of get into uh, expansion into other cities. And it's a, it's a free kind of takes 20 seconds account. And people are always welcome to engage with us of, of course uh, via social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at my supply. Um, and then in terms of, of bringing this to kind of other cities, I think please just stay engaged. This is what I tell people when they reach out saying it's absolutely our plan to expand. We just want to make sure that we get we get this right in terms of kind of the setup and the business mm-hmm. because I think it would be such a shame for us to to move too quickly and you know, things fall apart where there's been so much support already. So for us it's just making sure that we feel really good about, you know, the service that we'll be able to offer as we expand. And then, you know, knowing that there's interest in all these other places definitely puts it on our radar. I've got a little uh, rolling list that I add to. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Well, you'll see my email on there (laughs) a month or two ago. I heard about you guys and was just like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Thank you so much, Megan, for talking with me today about all of the work that's gone into supply to get it started and what you guys are doing to reduce the negative impact of the takeout industry. I think that your containers sound awesome and the program sounds really straightforward and simple. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Yeah,
1: thank you so much for having me on. Um, I obviously love love what you're broadcasting about and uh, I'm yeah really excited to uh to hopefully, uh, you know, come on in a year and talk about where we are, and it's you know leaps and from yes. where we even started. <laughs> yes. Ah,
0: that sounds great. Follow-up episode. Cool. (laughs) Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you want to learn more about Supply, head to mysupply.ca. That's S-U-P-P-L-I is how you spell Supply. Or find them on Instagram at mysupply. And remember to sign up no matter where you're listening from if you'd like to see Supply come to your area. If you've enjoyed today's episode, you'd probably also enjoy Episode 7, Takeout and Food Rescue. That is a super old one, but such a great conversation. And Reusable Revolution with Teresa and I. You can find all those in more in our archives wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to be in touch, you can send an email to the show at practicallyzerowaste at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at practicallyzerowastepod. I would love to hear if you're taking on anything special for Earth Day or Earth Month. Just let me know. You can support the show by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or by buying me a coffee over at coffee.com slash Elspeth Callahan. And for all of you who heard last week's episode and contacted me to let me know, thank you. If you ever hear something like that again that just doesn't sound like it's the fully edited episode let me know right away that would be appreciated i had uploaded the awkward unedited version and to my shock and horror about 600 of you wonderful listeners got to hear it before i swapped it out great there's a little glimpse of what lockdown fatigue can do to your brain thank you for sticking with us anyway hope you're all feeling well this week enjoying some sunshine getting outside for all the things and yeah have a great week everyone and talk to you soon